things theology, all things theology. We chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta give doxology to God hollow because this is how we do it at all things theology. Yo, 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 grace and peace, grace and peace. Welcome back to an episode of All Things Theology where I'm your host, K-Dub. And today we're going to talk about Stephen Furtick. I hear, I hear he's a fan favorite of you guys. <laughs> but before we do that, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, and as always, click the notification bell so you can be aware when I drop content. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about Stephen Furtick. But before we do that, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by... Trisha Ramos Real Estate. Is a move in your near future? Did you know Trisha Ramos is a local realtor in DFW and can actually help you in all 50 states across America? Maybe you have heard of her or Fish with Trish segments on the Way of the Master Radio with Ray Comfort and Wretched Radio. As she fished for souls, now she is listing and fishing. Contract today if you like to list your home and have her help you fish for a new one. Message her today for help at listandfishwithtrish.com. Contact information is in the description if you'd like to hear more. Now, let's continue our, our show today. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm feeling like I need to wear, <laughs> wear the shades. You know, you can even see me. And this is going to be a weird one. <laughs> I don't know. I got my shades. I got my Waterloo. Oh, man. Let me take those off. That's a little too much. <laughs> yes, Stephen Furtick. So I've had quite a numerous amount of people surprisingly ask me to do content on Stephen Furtick. To be honest, I've never really listened to um, Stephen Furtick outside of the couple weeks that I've been preparing for this episode. Uh, it was always isolated clips. And I was just like, ah, he's just a motivational speaker. Uh, that was kind of my, I mean, I heard some things that was false and her her heretical, obviously, but, um, and so some of those <laughs> opinions have still, still said the same. And so, yeah, see, see, people been, people have been waiting for this particular episode. Grace and peace, Nick. Glad you're in the building. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, a lot of people have been asking about Stevens verdict specifically. And so I was like, Hey, let me prepare something. I, I prepared for this uh, for about two weeks. Uh, two, three weeks uh, gathering, listening to the sermons on Stephen Furtick. So, uh, you know, I know there'll be accusers saying I manipulated him. I, I play large sections of Stephen Furtick in this video. I will, um, you know, I do my best as always to keep people in context and not to take them out of context. I don't want to slander them because I don't like being slandered. So I try to, even with people I don't agree with, uh, keep them in context. So, so yes, guys, uh, just FYI, some of the things you guys will hear will be heretical and outright blasphemous. Um, it, it'll be disturbing. And <laughs> I see some people already already know. So, hey, I'm sure you guys don't want to hear me just keep lobbing about the video. You guys want to hear it. So let's get into this first clip. And as always, this is fair use. Because love will take you way further than the law ever could. I'll prove it to you. Let's say... Okay, so all right, so he's going to prove how love will take you farther than the law. Okay, so 
let's hear his uh, absolute definite proof of how love will take you further than the law. And I can only assume he's talking about God's law. So let's 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 look into that. Our child is in a horrible accident. Let's say they bust their head wide open on the monkey bars and they fall off the monkey bars and monkey bars are like 30 feet high. I'm making this an extreme example. And they fall down and they bust their head wide open and you scoop them up and put them in the car to get them to the emergency room. And on the way to the emergency room, every sign you see says uh, speed limit. How much attention do you pay to the numbers beneath the speed limit in that moment? Those numbers mean nothing to you. Why? Because somebody that you love is in trouble. And in that moment, any parent will break the law for the sake of love. Any human parent will break the law for the sake of love. And what will really turn your heart to God is not when you hear his laws, which were given for our good, by the way, but they were powerless because there wasn't enough leverage in our action to keep the law. So what God did when he sent his son, and this is why we get excited in church, and this is why tears fill our eyes when we think about Jesus, and this is why the gospel is still good news in the world today, because God broke the law for love. This is why the gospel is still good news, because God broke the law for love. God broke the law for love. Uh, I I, I, want to go for... Think about that for a second, right? Broke. I'm thinking of a synonym. Uh, You know, he, he, he violated... He sinned. This this is this is what Stephen Furtick just said. Now, I'm sure if you pressed him, he would say, "Okay, it's not what I meant to say." Well, well, you better be clear when you you know you know this is why you shouldn't start with um, human analogies because right he's he he initially started off this this clip saying, "I'm going to prove, I'm going to prove this right." And what what does he do? He he immediately goes to a human analogy. And his analogy ends up, yeah, saying God violated uh, <laughs> laws to save you, you know, to rescue you. You know, if the analogy still fits with, you know, what God did for, did for us. No, God did not break his law for us. If God broke his law for us. God would not be God, which is an impossibility, right? God can not cease to be God. A few verses on that. Uh, James one seventeen, for every good gift, every every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God cannot change. If God sinned, He would change, obviously. So God cannot change. Um. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, Habakkuk one thirteen. You are pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. God, God can't even look at wrong. Let, let let alone violate, break His law, break His own laws that He gave. So yes, yeah, someone said, 
unqualified. Well, yes, Johnny Mac also said the same thing, and Stephen Furtick took light at it and wrote a book, sold, uh, you know, made money off the being unqualified. He actually takes pride in that, which is not a good good thing. You don't want to be an unqualified pastor. And so, yes, uh, you get the gospel wrong if you say God, God broke the law <laughs> in order to save us. Um, God did not. This this was a terrible analogy. I mean, hopefully he would own up to it and say, look, this was this was bad. God did not sin for us. Matter of fact, he obeyed perfectly on our behalf. You actually got the gospel uh, twisted here. God did not sin on our behalf, <laughs> i.e. Christ. He did not sin on our behalf. He obeyed in our behalf. So strike one, Stephen. Uh, you know, we're just we're just in the uh, we're just warming up here because, guys, it's going to get worse. You're like, how can it get worse than this? Oh, buddy, sit back. <sighs> A little Waterloo just to take the stress off of myself. Uh, I would recommend, hey, if you're watching this episode, that you would uh, have a sip of Waterloo as well at zero calories, zero sugar. Uh, my haters like to say zero taste, but hey, I ha this has great taste. This is the lemon lime, you know, kind of it's got that that uh, Sprite, you know, taste to it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, yes. Strike one. Our first point. God didn't sin to save us. That's right, uh, Bernard Jackson. Yes, he fulfilled his law perfectly. He obeyed perfectly. Um, yet he got a rounding applause from the audience, which shows in a lot of these audience, a lot of these, uh, you know, things that I, pastors that I cover, you, there's one thing. There's like people have no discernment. Uh, Bibles probably aren't open or even present. I mean, we see that a lot at some churches, but let's get to our next video. God has already promised us the victory and the giants are so big. If the giants are that big and God has promised us the victory, if what is coming against us is that great, how much greater must God be within me? Greater is he, come on and help me, that is within me than he that is in the world. The size of my giant is a proof of the size of my God. What? Like, l listen to what he just said. Now, this is this is what I don't like about the motivational preach because it sounds good until you actually analyze what's being said. He says, the size of my giant is proof of the size of my God. Well, Here's where you would get actually in trouble because guess what? Some people don't have biggest giants as the next person. And so wouldn't that cause us to look at God bigger and some smaller? And no, that, that you can't say that statement. That's a that's actually an unbiblical statement. The proof of my giants. And I'm sure what he means by that is my troubles or my, my you, know, uh, you know, persecution in life, some something of that nature. It's not proof of how big God is. God is big despite my giants or whatever you want to analogous to that. Just again, um, terrible analogy or example he used there. Thank you, Lord. But like I said, you, you, the whole audience is screaming as if he said something biblical. 
No, no, that's guys. Use your mind where you're listening to preaching. It's okay. God wants you to use your mind. He wants you to honor him in your thinking. If God is letting me experience a challenge this big, see, God is trying to use your enemies to show you how valuable you are in his kingdom. The level you will settle on is the level that you see yourself. And it makes me so sad to think of how many times that you and I have gone to the wrong mirrors. And so we see a grasshopper when we're really a giant. <laughs> like I said, I, I, I'm sure that statement makes people feel, feel better. Uh, it, it makes you feel better, make you, may, maybe make you feel warm and fuzzy, especially in this narcissistic, uh, me-centered um, culture. Right, we're always looking for self-help. Right, our, our culture loves self-help stuff. That's why I think uh, uh, therapists are so big today. Right, uh, let, 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 let me go back just so we can keep him in context. Make sure I remember what he said. And so we see a grasshopper when we're really a giant. So we 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 see a grasshopper when we're really a giant. Well, let's go to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Um. Psalm 136, 23 actually says that uh, God remembered us in our lowest state for his loving kindness is forever. So doesn't seem we're very big or high or mighty. Um, uh, Job 25, 5 and 6, it says, Behold, even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes. How much less man who is a maggot and the son of man who is a worm. So <laughs> we're, we're tiny small creatures comparatively god we're we're not the giant you are if you want to if actually you've actually twist the analogy you are the grasshopper <laughs> you know if you want to use that analogy we, we're, we're nothing compared to god we are filth the bible I, I, and i know like i said i know we're in this culture today that the language that the bible uses to describe man is it's not comfortable for a lot of people Right. Because especially a lot of these word of faith preachers and prosperity preachers and motivational people, you, you, you can't talk to people like that. Right. They just need a little motivation, a little self-help, little pick me ups. Right. So. So. And, and let me balance this out. Man does have worth. Right. We're creating the image of God. Absolutely. But man has fallen. <laughs> and like I said, the, the Bible doesn't have a lot of good things to say about sinful man. I mean, it really doesn't. The unregenerate man, it, it really doesn't. Um, and like I said, I know that could be very problematic um, for for today's culture, which just love self, right? We just love ourselves so much. Um, <laughs> so yes, um, I was like, wow, man, this guy, he, he just his preaching is very man-centered. It's, 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 a lot about you, right? I mean, God is not lifted high and adored and honored as supreme, but I mean, you're at this point, man, he he brings you right next to God. I mean, we're going to find out a little later. You're not really going to be able to tell the difference, but stay tuned for that. When we see a failure, 
when really it was a lesson. When we see what's missing, because we can only see through the filter of our fear. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. You are not my maker. You will not be my mirror. When God said, I am to Moses, you know, my name is, I am. Guys, listen to this, because I about fell off the floor (laughs) when I was listening to this sermon. Uh, I believe this sermon is actually called Mirrors. So you can go watch this. I mean, I'm not keep I'm not taking them out of context. So watch, watch, (laughs) watch Stephen Furtick actually describe why actually God calls himself the I am. Check it out. When God said, I am to Moses, you know, my name is I am. He was trying to get him to see you are as I am. So I might have missed that in the text, but I I saw that nowhere. Um, The the I am name is is essentially God saying to Moses, I am I am the sufficient one. I am the covenantal keeping God who keeps his promises. Matter of fact, if you go back, uh, Moses is very doubtful, (laughs) right? He's, he's kind of, he's not kind of, he is doubting God, right? And, and, and I believe if I'm correct, uh, God actually gets angry at one point. (laughs) Um, verse 12 of Exodus three, um, he says, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses says to God, if I come to this people of Israel and and say to them, the God of your father has sent me. They ask me, what is this name? What shall I say to them? So, so Moses asked, who, right? I want, who, who is the, you know, reveal yourself, you know? And God, that's when God gives his the, the covenantal name, the I am that I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. Yes, uh, Susie Q, you're right. Um, Kenneth Copeland has done the same thing. When God said I am, Kenneth Copeland says I am too. He's the exact same thing as God, which is blasphemous statement, by the way. But back to this. So, and God, God said, verse 15, God says to Moses, uh, say this to say this to the people of Israel: The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So he's God is saying, "Hey, I am the faithful covenantal keeping God. I have proved myself to be faithful uh, to your forefathers." You know. Nothing, nothing about, you know, I am, so you you are too. No. <laughs> the reason, essentially what's going on is Moses is asking, how do I know you're going, you're going to keep your promise? <laughs> and and the, 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 I don't know if it's the irony of the whole situation. God appeals to him, himself. He says, because I'm God. That's how you know. 
I'm the God who has been faithful to your forefathers. Nothing, all what he said is not there. It's not present in the text. Just in case you're confused about what's going on. God was not saying, I am because you are too. No, God would never say that because that would be blasphemous. And it would be idolatrous for God even to say that. He is the only I am. There is only one I am. You, Stephen Furtick, are not the I am. You are not the self-sufficient self -sufficient covenant keeping in God to all the forefathers. It's blasphemous. And so you can definitely tell he buys into the little God's doctrine. And guys, we're going to see in a second <laughs> why I believe that. You know, but, um, yes. That's what a mirror does. God says, I want to see myself in you. When God sees you, he sees himself. Hmm. When God sees you, he sees himself. No, no, no. <laughs> No, that's that's not true. We are not comparative in that manner. We're sinners. God is not there's there is no creator creature distinction in Stephen Furtick's theology. And, and this is what a lot of preachers do who are very man centered, because this is the only way to do this. Right. In order to preach this theology, what they have to do is elevate man so high. Right. They elevate man higher than man is and they bring God down lower than a position he is so that man and God ultimately are on the same level. You Essentially, you can't tell the difference. Do, guys, do you see the problems with a lot of the statements he's saying? I hope you do. I hope you can because they're very problematic. Um, in, in case you're just wondering what I'm what I'm thinking. Uh, you know, because I, I, like I said, a lot of people were asking me about Stephen Furtick's theology, and I said, "Hey, I, I, I'll, I'll go listen to some sermons." Um, Stephen, I, I, it is my assessment just on the clips we play right now that Stephen Furtick is a man to be avoided when it comes to um, listening to sound doctrine. These are heretical statements. So yes, sees his son. Christ is the image of the invisible God. And if he is in you, he is more than the world against you. All right. So, so far we've heard God broke the law for love. And we've heard that um, we are the I am essentially, you know, uh, that's why God revealed his covenantal name essentially. He is, we are, yeah, same thing, right? Well, this clip is pro will probably <laughs> see, see a comment. Someone grab the mic. Absolutely. This this video will actually be the most disturbing, but I'm going to defend Stephen Furtick. <laughs> but then I'm going to show what, oh, that he's still wrong. So let's check this out. That goes for your struggles. See, I think Jacob, I think Jacob, his name, his name means supplanter, but his new name, Israel, is almost just as bad. It means struggles with God. So he's trying to get him to see, you've never been fighting with Laban. You've never been fighting with Esau. The fight that you have to win for your life has not been with them. It's always been in you. 
Now, I don't know where he got that application because when he defined it, he got it right. We're talking about Israel struggling with God. But then he turned around and said, well, it's talking about struggling, this inner struggle. Well, no, that's not what Israel means. And, and then I was like, well, maybe he's talking about Jacob. So I looked it up. Jacob means, <laughs> you know, uh, literally means heal. Uh, or uh, let, let me read. It, it means one who follows on another heels, uh, supplanter, and it's clearly referencing his brother Esau. So uh, let, let me explain this because a lot of times in our modern context, we're used to someone being named right at birth, but oftentimes in ancient, they would get their. It was not uncommon for them to uh, have their name after birth, like sometime afterward. That's you know, if you follow the biblical name, it usually has to do with some significant event in their lifetime. And so, um, no, it has nothing to do with this struggle inside of us. I, I, I get he's trying to make this point, but that's not what the text is meaning. You know, and, and it's it, if you actually stick to the biblical text, this is it's, it's actually a greater example. Right, because it's one who follows on another hills, this supplanter. Uh, you know, some have talked about how this also uh, talks of me. His name actually can mean something to the extent of him being selfish and, and cunning and deceptive. And God chooses that, right? The, the second born to actually have uh, preeminence. If you read Genesis 43 and things like that, um, he gets the, the double portion of the blessing. And, you know, you just read through the Genesis account. You can see that. And so it has nothing to do with what he's talking about. That's, that's the whole point. It's like, what where, where are you i have no clue where he's going in the text and deriving this from because it just it just doesn't make any sense and I, like i said i you can be lost just listening to stephen furtick's uh uh sermons you know trying to figure out what he's talking about because he'll just go somewhere you'll fall in love okay good good and just off the cliff somewhere just as fast as he was on because if you believe it's in you there's nothing anybody can put on you that can cancel what I put in you. Before you were born, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Like I said, he's he's a motivational speaker. He'll get you rowdy, right? <laughs> like if you, I mean, obviously this doesn't motivate me, right? Because it's heresy, but I mean, he has that charisma, you know, of a motivational preacher, right? So I get it. People just riled up. They're clapping aren't really listening to what's being said. Cause if they did, they'd be like, you know, if they were following along in their Bibles, like you should be when sermons, you'd be like, okay, struggles with God. Okay. Struggles with Esau. Where, where did you get the, the inner struggle with like, wh where's that coming from? I, sir, I'm lost. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so I'm not going to clap. It's always been in you. It's all yes. As uh. <laughs> Crystal Davis says, you, you, you. Yes, he's he's a major. He majors in this, talking about you all the time. I, I can guarantee this. Uh, someone should probably count you versus God. <laughs> always been in you. That teaching gift has always been in you. You just had to get past what you would put on yourself. The idea that I'm not a preacher, I'm just a little girl. I don't have anything to say. That was always in you. It was in you when you were sitting at Life Action Revival. Listen. Uh, this statement is just in passing, but 
you kind of see what he believes about women pastors just in this right here. He's, um, <laughs> yes, you can see what, uh, he believes about women pastors just right here. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll let that stand alone, but we'll, we'll keep it moving to Steve Canfield six nights a week and God was filling you with his word. It just took the right rain to bring the seed out of the soil for what God put in you when you were just a little girl. It's always been in you. And there's nobody that can leave my life that can keep God from keeping his covenant with me. I'm not in covenant with a person. I'm not in covenant with a political party. I'm in covenant with God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Get that off you. That's not true. Did you guys hear that? Did you hear that? Let me, I, I don't, I don't think some of y'all might have tuned out. You know, you might have, you know, uh, but I distracted, check the Facebook comment right quick. You know, I, I get it. That's fine. But let me play that back. Let me play that back just in case you weren't fully listening. And hopefully now you have your full attentive mind on the video right now. Check it out. I'm in covenant with a political party. I'm in covenant with God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Right. He says, I'm not in, you know. You know, I'm not in, you know, I'm not in covenant with a p political party. I'm in covenant with God Almighty, right? That's that's fine. Then he says, I am God Almighty. So I don't know, maybe his uh, Moses in the burning bush statement makes more sense. Now, given right, he says, you know, when he's God says, I am, I, I you know, I, I, we are, I are as well. It makes more sense, but here, here's now. Let me defend him for a second, because here's what I actually think happened. Now, don't get where don't don't <laughs> don't worry. We'll still work critique him. Here's what I think happened. I think he's just so hyped up. He's just talking. He he isn't concerned what he's saying because the crowd's just gonna applaud. And he could have said, like, "You guys, yabba dabba do," and people would have applauded and glory. You know, they they they're riled up just as much too. They got the organ playing. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, you know, they, everybody's riled up in their emotion right now. I, I'd be surprised if half the people even caught what he said, let alone, um, you know, <laughs> you know, cared what he said. I, I, I remember. Um, so I went to the comment section and there was a couple people that brought it up. Like, did y'all hear he said God Almighty? <laughs> and those comments were like no interaction with or anything. So he still has this up on the clip for the sermon I watched. So, um, but, but again, I, I, I believe he, um, was just so riled up. Right. But I also believe that also he, uh, believes in the little God's doctrine as well. Cause that's twice now. One time he wasn't as riled up. Right. And this, so, and so it, it, it he could have been purposely saying it, but he clearly believes in some form of little God's doctrine. You know, the classic word of faith heresy that uh, God is creating little gods, um, you know, and so. So, yeah. 
Get that off you! That's not your name! Right, he 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 throws that. Somebody said <laughs> the Benny Hinn, you know, blazer. <laughs> Yo, oh abs uh Nona says, there's no excuse whatsoever. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you this is why you shouldn't be preaching like this. So this is a warning for preaching because you're just talking. There's no excuse, even if you said it by mistake, because you're just so riled up in your emotions that you aren't thinking about what you're saying. And so absolutely no, and I agree. He there's no excuse for this. There's no excuse for what he just said. Um but I'm just trying I'm I'm trying to hey, maybe this would be his answer. Yeah, still no excuse. He should he, he should not be preaching in the pulpit. Absolutely not. That's not your station! That's not your end! It's in me! It's in me! It's in me! It is God that worketh in you! It's always been in you. You, you, you. That's, I mean, <laughs> how many times have you just hear, hear, like I said, this has been multiple clips I played. You, 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 you. It's, it's you, you, so much of man, so much of you, so little of God. The struggle has never been with someone else. The struggle has been within yourself. And God gave Jacob a new name, Israel, but he still has to struggle. Oh, are y'all confused? I'm confused. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, if you're confused, that's not a good thing. Um, and you have left your whole audience confused. That's probably not a, a worse thing. Um. And so, yes, uh, this is very bad. This is very bad. <laughs> uh, so, yes, as I was listening to these sermons, I'm like, man, how how can people just stay stay in there? I, well, I know I know biblically how, right? They're deceived as well. They have uh, bought into a lie. Yes, D sixteen says, uh, man, he could work a crowd up. Yeah, he he knows how to get them. That's why I say, man, he he's he could. He could be a motivational speaker. Yes. I mean, it doesn't motivate me, but it motivates somebody. But we got one more clip to get through. <laughs> and this will be a longer, fuller version because I want to I want to establish a lot of context before I actually get to what um, what he says, uh, you know, that I really want to respond to. But, um, yeah, man, you guys watching the video uh, like the video, man. Subscribe if you're not. Hit that notification bell so you'll be aware when I go go live as well. So let's let's continue this. <laughs> I don't know what to call it, a heretical session, I guess, or or responding to heretical. I meet these people and they say things to me because of my profession, I guess. They make assumptions about me because there's a rev in front of my name. They make assumptions about me that I don't have real doubts. One gentleman that I was doing business with. He put it this way. He he was like, I envy you. Let, let, let me back it up just so I can. But I, I want to say this before. Uh, oh, yo, grace and peace. Bible thumping Wiener. Great to see you here, brother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Furtick Barf. Yes, uh, I totally understand. <laughs> I, we're, we're in this age where I, I, I know I've seen it. I, I started seeing it a couple years ago where. 
doubt isn't really a bad thing. It's like it's it's this innate human thing that, you know, we all have. And it's just it's what we do. It's almost people have I've seen people turn doubt into a virtue. Like, you know, your your you know, your doubts are, hey, you just you just got those right. And he somewhat does that here. But I, I just wanted to say that now, because maybe you've seen that as well, that where people just turn doubts into doubts into this virtuous thing of human behavior. But so let's go ahead. Business with, he put it this way. He, he was like, I envy you because I would love to have faith. I always wanted to believe in God, but I just always am the kind of person that doubts a lot. And I envy you that you don't have those doubts. Now, here's what I should have said back to him. It only took me four months to come up with this. Because he is assuming that faith is the absence of doubt. Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much. If you are walking in faith, yes. Let me read a couple of verses that actually says that. Um, James 1, 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Um, another verse. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 21, 21, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, right, uh, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say this mountain be taken up and thrown in the sea, it will happen. So, yes, faith is actually opposite of doubt. Absolutely. So guess what? If you're doubting, you're not walking in faith. And and, and, and let me balance this out. Yes, sure, sure, we, we do have doubts, but we're to kill that. <laughs> We're to kill that. It's it's not a good thing if you're doubting, right? It's it's it's. A, let me let me say this very explicitly: doubt is a sin, biblically speaking. Yes. Uh, let, let let me let me read another verse where it talks about faith because I I hear stuff like that all the time. Um. Hebrews eleven one though it doesn't use the word doubt it. I think the point is still clear. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Assurance. Hmm. That doesn't sound like doubt. The convictions of things not seen, right? It's the it's the evidence of so yeah, it's the faith and doubt. If someone has true genuine faith, right? If they're walking in faith in that moment, doubt is the opposite of that. So I just wanted to say that, but it, it gets gets a little stranger. Just, let's, let's keep watching. For me, faith has never been the absence of doubt. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It is the means to overcome it. I, w- I would argue it's it's both. Faith is the absence of doubt. And when we're doubting, we need to trust God. I would I'll be curious, Stephen Furtick. Can you trust God simultaneously doubting him? I'm I'm genuinely curious. For those who would even disagree, can you doubt? Can you trust God can save you from your sins simultaneously doubting it? I I, I don't know how he can say that. You know? Now, I'll say this. Let me me balance it out. (laughs) 
there are things we in our human flesh may struggle to believe. But but doubting is, hey, I, I'm not really sure this is true. And let me say this doubt will lead you fast, fast path to liberalism. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because we get in church and we just all go into this walking dead, willing suspension of disbelief. And we just believe things that have no impact on our everyday life, just like we're binge watching Netflix. Like, I'm just going to watch this for a little while and hear this little comforting word. But then we go out into the world and we, we doubt the stuff, but we can't say we doubt the stuff because doubt is bad, because isn't doubt bad? Yes, it is bad. If you're doubting, you need to get out of that state of doubt. <laughs> just like every other sin you're being sanctified from. Yeah, kill it. Um, but it's like, he, he, I mean, Stephen, don't you believe doubt is bad? That's why I say, man, people talk about doubt like it's a virtue. You know, one time I even had a campus pastor who was giving an invitation like we will give in a moment for people who want to place their faith in Christ. And Let me say this, because <laughs> um, this example is going to evolve the, the sinner's prayer. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. Hey, repent and believe. You don't have to walk an aisle and do all that. You know, it's not about accepting Jesus into your heart. The Bible says that nowhere. Repent and believe. But okay, we'll we'll deal with that for now. <laughs> we do it at our church. We have people repeat a prayer. It's just a means of allowing them to express their heart to God so that they can have a moment that they look back on and say, I placed my trust in Christ. And to me, that prayer is a very sacred moment. It's not a time for people to get their person, get out and beat the parking. And it's not a time for someone who's preaching to start sharing their opinions. That is a time to present the gospel and get out of the way because only kind of like he does in every sermon. I found that statement so ironic. You know, he's like, this isn't a time for preaching your opinions, but that's literally all your sermons. I mean, but I'll let you continue. God can save a person. And now, well, I believe this campus pastor meant well, but what he said, I had to correct him on later. Now, I, 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 like I said, I want you to listen closely here at this point. Listen to what Stephen Furtick is going to correct this pastor on. Because I, I believe what the pastor actually said was biblical. <laughs> uh, but watch what Stephen Furtick uh, corrects this pastor on. And I'm not a mean guy. And I make mistakes up here, too. But to me, he made a really big mistake when he was praying the prayer because he was inviting the people to pray. And he said, if you want to give your heart to Christ today and know for sure that you have a relationship with him, pray this, you know, Lord Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe without a doubt. That's the part he should have left out. Hmm. So he shouldn't have said, I believe with without Without a doubt. Would you have been more comfortable with him saying, I believe with some doubts? I believe Jesus is Lord, but I, I, I don't know if he raised from the dead. I, I don't, man, this is, like I said, this, this is, un but like I said, there's, there's something specifically why I played this. I, I played all this for context, but this is the reason why I'm 
I'm getting to this point. I believe without a doubt that Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Savior of the world, today I give you my life. All of it was good. All of it was appropriate. And there is no other way to be saved but to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. But I got some doubts. I don't know. According to Stephen Furtick, hey, it's, it's okay. Hey, just doubt it all. <laughs> I believe it and I doubt it all. But that one parenthetical insert, without a doubt, I told him never again when you stand in the pulpit at elevation, do I want you to put people in a position where you're telling them to pray something that they can't honestly pray? Um, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I, I prayed. <laughs> if, if Lord, uh, you know, essentially, I, I believe every Christian wants to be sinless. The desire is there, <laughs> right? Uh, but while we're still in the flesh, we um, won't be able to do it. So apparently we can't pray that, right? Because, hey, I didn't know the standard was if you can't do it, then you shouldn't pray for it. You know. As a matter of fact, don't put them in a position to pray something that you can't honestly pray. Because there is not one of you in the room, even with tabs in your pink Bible. That can honestly say without a doubt, not a one of you. And if you can, hang on, you hadn't had teenagers yet. Somebody to my backside, back me up on this. The triumph of my faith is not the absence of doubt. The triumph of my faith is the ability for the light to shine in the deepest, darkest recesses of my heart. I got doubts, but I trust him anyway. So my faith can say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and the shadow of doubt and the shadow of dysfunction, I will fear no evil. It's not that I don't go through valleys. I don't die there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is Christmas preaching, people. Even though... Throw us in the fire. Our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow our knee to you, O King Nebuchadnezzar. I know Lazarus is dead, but if Jesus is on the scene, every dead end is a destiny waiting to begin. Even now. Like I said, this all this sounds good, but... Apparently, we can just doubt it all. I mean, okay, but well, he's going to say something that really bothered me, but we'll, we'll, we'll give it a, we'll let it play right here. I have my doubts. I don't believe this because I don't doubt it. If you don't doubt it, you're not reading it. That statement really bothered me. <laughs> that statement really bothered me so much. He said, if you're not really, really, if you're not reading your Bible, or if you're not doubting your, the Bible, you're not really reading it. 
I would argue the other way. If you're reading your Bible, you're struggling with your if you're struggling with doubt, you need to read your Bible. Commune with God. That statement really irked me. I mean, I was just like, are you serious? You're literally giving a, a license for your people, your sheep, your flock, <laughs> who are really deceived anyway, to doubt. So when they're doubting, man, did Jesus raise from the dead? Well, my pastor told me it was okay to doubt. Matter of fact, I'm reading the Bible and I'm doubting all this stuff. I've heard atheists say that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. You don't really believe God unless you doubt his word and promises. What? Oh, I, I, I got to get Westbrook to say that. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? What? 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 Huh? The person who's truly more spiritual, <laughs> truly believing is the person doubting it all? Ugh. Like I said, that bothered me so much. <laughs> and they're still worse. They're still worse. Or you're reading it with no intent to live it. It's like, or you're reading the Bible and you don't really care to um, live it if you don't doubt it. Like, like I said, that's <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Doubt and dodge the Bible, y'all. Yes, that's exactly what he's teaching. As as a virtue, it's a, as a virtue. That's the that's actually the problematic thing about this part. It's one thing to deal with. Hey, look, we're all being sanctified. Right, Lord, I believe, but help my help my unbelief. He he don't wasn't he don't want help for my unbelief. Matter of fact, uh, his view is the Lord is causing it by by giving the Bible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's this okay to doubt society we are in that makes it a virtue. Ugh, so bad, so bad. <laughs> my doubt is the evidence of my growth. My doubt is the evidence of my growth. Huh. Uh, let's take doubt of it. Right? Doubt is a sin. Let's take another sin. What if someone said, my lies are the evidence of my growth. My hatred for humanity is the evidence of my growth. My... Uh, what what is it? Uh, my thievery is the evidence of my growth. We will look at them sideways. But here he is saying this sin of his that he's made a virtue is the evidence that he actually is growing in godliness. That is that is insane. That is insane to me. And you got people. Oh, preach it, pastor. That's good. That's good. Yeah, sounds very emergent. And we're going to see, actually, where he gets his influences to me. <laughs> yeah, so what in the Andy Stanley? <laughs> yes. <laughs> For, yeah, at least Andy Stanley's trying to unhitch from the old. I mean, Stephen Furtick saying, doubt it all, I guess. I, I mean, he doesn't tell us what specifically, but all of it is subject to doubt. Yes. The closer I get the more questions I have. Yeah, but having questions isn't doubting. That's not the same thing. I got a lot of questions. 
but I'm not doubting God on what he's revealed. What he's revealed, by God's grace, by faith, I accept those things. And if I don't, I'm the problem and I need to correct that. Not coddle my doubt. Not make it a virtue. Like I said, this is actually a very problematic uh, hermeneutic he has. Where, I mean, just imagine someone listening to the crowd say, well, I thought that was a sin. Oh, wow, this this sin is okay. Okay, that's his sin. What, what about the sin I'm struggling with? And there they go in just full apostasy and some sin, right? Just because, hey. And Abby is already doing the thing that you all we all do at some point in our life if we try to be religious, where she's going, well, she said the other day, where did God come from? And I'm like, you're six. Can he just have always been there at age six? Do we really have to start this now? But that was about the same time I did it, and she said it so funny. It was like she had me on a witness stand or something. She said, uh, I bet she was waiting for me to get home from work because she asked Holly, and Holly said, You're going to ask your dad about that. He'll be home in a couple of hours. And she said, Abby's got a question for you. And Abby said, uh, Where did God come from, and uh, who made him? And don't just say he's always been there. And I'm going, Already? Yeah, already. This is the first gift of mystery that heaven is giving to my daughter. It is the beginning of a, a lifetime of learning the art of faith, which Richard Rohr suggests is patience with mystery. Now, this is actually what I wanted to get in. Some of you will be like, well, okay, well, I didn't really see anything problematic. Um, it's not the quote itself. It's who he quoted. Now, some of you may not know what I'm talking about, but he is quoting from Richard Rohr, Rohr, R-O-H-R, who is uh, Richard Rohr. He wrote the book. Uh, what is it called? Uh, Everything is Christ, the universal Christ, the universal Christ. And Richard Rohr is pretty much a universalist. And <laughs> I'll share a couple quotes from Richard Rohr and I'll, I'll let you come to your own conclusions. Okay. Uh, Richard Rohr. Let, let me, let me read this. Uh, and this kind of, I picked these quotes because it, some of these actually shows where Stephen Furtick's theology is coming, coming in. Oh, let me, let me see. Uh, right here. Hold on a second. Uh, let me, let me do something. There we go. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. But anyways. NT ways. Uh took care of that, y'all. Um, yeah, so he quotes Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr says this. Every time God forgives us, God is saying that is all sorry, let me let me start over. Every time God forgives us, God is saying that God's own rules do not matter as much as the relationship that God wants to create with us. Let me read that again. Every time God forgives us, God is saying that God's own rules, i.e. his law, do not matter as much as the relationship or love that God wants to create with us. So when I heard that statement, when I read that statement, I was like, huh, that makes a lot of sense in light of what Stephen Furtick said earlier when he said God broke the law for love. Let's play that again. 
our heart to God. What God did when he sent his son. Because God broke the law for love. Right? God broke the law for love, right? Doesn't that, doesn't that say, statement sound very similar to what Richard Rohr is saying is God's own rules don't matter as much as the relationship. Very problematic, right? Very problematic. What about this? What is um, Richard Rohr's view of the atonement? Well, this is what he describes. Penal substitutionary, penal substitutionary atonement. He says, at best, and this is Richard Rohr speaking, at best, the theory of substitutionary atonement has inoculated us against the true effects of the gospel. So he's saying what you believe about Christ dying for us uh, in order to redeem us has actually blinded you. So he says it's uh, inoculated us against the true effects of the gospel, causing us to largely thank Jesus instead of honestly imitating him. So. um. <laughs> So we shouldn't be largely thanking Jesus. We should just imitate him. Okay, but listen, he says, at worst, he's speaking about the uh, penal substitutionary atonement. He says, at worst, it led us to see God as a cold, brutal figure who demands active violence before God can love his own creation. And so that's Richard War speaking about the doctrine that you and I uh, hold to if we believe that Christ died for our sins, <laughs> you know, like the Bible says. Um, very bad, right? Very bad. But these are the people that this is one of the people that uh, is influencing um, Stephen Furtick's theology. You know, so this is this is something to something to consider, something to think about. <laughs> you know, so. Um, Yes, uh, Montana Viking, I, I am in full agreement with what Spurgeon said. The heart of the gospel is the word substitutionary. Yes, absolutely. One more quote from Richard Rohr. One more quote from Richard Rohr. And this is on the uh, theology of the re resurrection. And what does um, resurrection mean to Richard Rohr? He says the general principle of all reality, uh, resurrection is another word for change. And the soul's like, like, huh? Okay, I mean, but okay, let's let's go on to see uh, what he means. He says, uh, if a video camera had been placed in front of the tomb of Jesus, it wouldn't have filmed the lone man emerging from the grave, but something like beams of light extending in all directions. So. <laughs> A clear denial of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. He denies. And so when he speaks of resurrection, he speaks of just change, some kind of change, some metamorphosis, some evolution. Not death to life. That's not in Richard Rohr's thinking when he thinks about resurrection. So fundamentally, he has no gospel. Right. You deny the resurrection. You have no gospel. Uh, but it's quite funny, uh, a couple pa couple pages before that quote, he says, I'm quite conservative and orthodox by most standards on this important issue. Speaking about uh, Jesus' resurrection. Well, the standard isn't most people's uh, thinking of the resurrection. It's actually what the Bible describes Richard Rohr. And so I, I go into the theology of Richard Rohr uh, 
and, and wait, before I go to that, you can see how people can change the meaning of words. Me and a brother recently were talking about uh, about that, changing words too. Like the Mormons do that. They talk about resurrection and, um, you know, all the all these things. And you think you're talking about the same thing until <laughs> 20 minutes down the line. It's like, I don't think we're talking about the same thing. And it's absolutely define your terms. And so obviously I would not agree with his definition of re- resurrection, but um, absolutely. Bottom line, dad, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain. First Corinthians 15. Absolutely. We have no hope if there's no resurrection bodily, not some kind of evolution metamorphosis process, <laughs> not just a change. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, so this were it seems that Stephen Furtick might be influenced a lot by um, Richard Rohr. And if and if so, man, he's going down a, a, da- a more dangerous route than he is already. He's already in a dangerous place. Uh, but more dangerous. Uh, I don't know. I hope he's not going down a, a liberal down that slope because then he'll be denying. Scri- I mean, he already is denying scripture. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but I wanted to do this video because, like I said, people were reaching out to me saying, hey, man, I would love to hear your thoughts on on Steve, Stephen Furtick. Um, you know, hey, there some 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 members are playing him in my in my church. People are reading his books in my church. I, I don't really know much about him. Hey, do, can you do some videos? And so, hey, I was like, hey, I think that'd be helpful. Took a couple weeks to do it. And so, hey, hope this video was helpful. Um, hopefully people will watch it. Hey, man, send it to people who you know that watch Stephen Furtick because I don't want this. Obviously, by God's grace and as much as we can, people should be able to watch this video and say, yeah, that's heretical. I mean, he called himself a god. Uh, he said God broke the, violated his own law. Um, yeah, literally called himself God Almighty. <laughs> uh, made doubt of virtue. Uh, I mean, there were so many heretical things stated in just this video I played. And like I said, and if if I would have researched further, I probably could have found more stuff. But this was just in the sermons I listened to that I, that I heard and was uh, pointed to. So hope you guys 